0: is the Naked Gaming Podcast with Chris Barrow and Lee Milner. Chris has been speaking to the founder of the eSports team G2 about all things gaming, including what it's like running a team at the moment during the coronavirus pandemic. This is Carlos Rodriguez, also known as Ocelot. What's been different, I suppose, this year compared to the last few years? Because so much must have changed for you.
1: Well, um, the the beauty of this is that we, we you know it, it all started digital right uh, in video games and video game competition it all started digital so you know most of us are used to this and uh, most of us uh, you know grew playing competing in tournaments online so it really falls into place uh quite nicely actually it feels very natural
0: yeah because because being at home and broadcasting from home l- like you are now i suppose is very much part of the esports scene you almost don't really have to move
1: that's right. It's, you know, it's been like that for uh, the the majority of the last 15 years. So, again, it's just, you know, back to the roots. And and you realize that these days, uh, by doing this these days, people actually don't mind as much that, uh, you know, there is not that much physical interaction. When it comes down to overall engagement on, on content and stuff like that, people, you know, engage just as much, if not more, with digital native content than, you know, Uh, content based on real-life interactions and footage. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely partly a surprise and uh, (laughs) partly uh, natural for us.
0: Yeah. And tell us, um, G2 itself, it's one of the huge players, one of the biggest esports teams That there is i mean i've been watching esports for a long time and i've already been you know aware of g2's impact what are some of the games that you find the the biggest and the best for you to be involved in because there's so many different and new games coming out all the time you've got to keep on top of that you know
1: yeah it's you know it's part of our job to number one understanding you know where uh this this whole thing is going you know uh, what people like uh, it's is part of our, you have to understand what people like to watch in as you know in terms of movies what people is is mm. craving for and we sort of digest all that information and we sort of automatically understand uh which game is going to be relevant tomorrow right so sure. people are looking more towards you know maybe battle royals or something because they want to feel that sense of accomplishment of being the number one out of 100 people for example well we I think we already went through that and I feel like things are slowly shifting again, right? So knowing, it's, it's also it's, it's almost like understanding, uh, you know, human nature and what people are liking and connecting that to video games. It's honestly not, not that different from what, you know, a director might think of when thinking about a movie or anything of that nature.
0: Well, I've been watching um, Hearthstone loads since it came out. I think it's four or five years now, and I've been you know, addicted to watching streams of that and some of your players who compete on that. But I've noticed that something like uh, Fall Guys, which is quite a new game in the last couple of months, uh, that's got that kind of battle royale feel, but it's a bit different. It's not like Fortnite. You know, you've got people running the gauntlet, trying to get to the front of the race and stuff. I guess when a game like that comes out, do you try and jump on the popularity of that, get a team out as soon as you can, or or do you just have to stick with the ones that you've been doing for a while as well?
1: Yeah. So typically, when when you enter a game, at least for us, it works this way. When you enter a game, um. You enter number. One, I mean, you, you enter either because the game is um, already relevant, and you have to be a part of that game, mm-hmm. in, which typically means that you were too late, right? Sure, because sure. you will have to enter when everybody wants to enter. You will have to overpay, um, uh, or you enter a game that you think has the potential to become large one day, tomorrow, and then you enter at a smaller price, a lower price than when the game, if the game becomes relevant, everybody else will enter at. Mm-hmm. And then you have the first mover sort of advantage, right? So our portfolio of titles is, you know, has those two sort of categories combined.
0: What's your number one game in terms of uh, League of Legends?
1: It's League not even Legends. close. Like League of Legends is the largest video game on the planet, period. Nothing gets close. Uh, not FIFA, not Call of Duty, nothing gets close.
0: And why, why do you think that is? Is it because it's been around? Cause it's been around for quite a while, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it is part of, it's part of the reason, right? It's been around for 10 plus years and if I log into the game right now, I still see people that 10 years ago played 10 hours a day still playing 10 hours a day today. So wow. it has the it has the learning curve that allows for new players to wanna come by, new mm-hmm. players to wanna play the game and it has that depth to ensure that hardcore players stick around for many years and that's the formula every publisher is trying to
0: hit right and that i think only a few have been able to hit can you just tell me a bit about league of legends because i noticed that the the bbc over here actually broadcast some of the league of legends uh finals recently i think it was about a Mm -hmm. month ago now Mm -hmm. and it was specifically because they knew that people would be at home and there wasn't really any live sport on the telly at that time um but how can you Explain the appeal of League of Legends to someone who is used to watching football. Like, it's quite. Do you think it's hard to get into, or is it actually once you've learned the kind of the rules and the basics, it's actually easy enough to become like a fan?
1: You know, um, if if I watch a lacrosse game, I mean, I understand the basics of lacrosse right now. But sure. before I understood the ba- the, basis, the basics of lacrosse, if I were to watch a lacrosse game, I wouldn't fully understand what was going on. Yeah. Um I would get answers of okay, I understand this here and there, but I wouldn't fully grasp what was happening at each moment. And with baseball, it would be a similar um a similar situation. I think there's no different here, right? There are games that are self-explanatory. The moment you watch them, you know what's going on, like Rocket League. It's like yeah. literally soccer with flying cars. <laughs> um, um however, there is uh, there's games like League of Legends that ha- that have you know, depth in terms of the champions that are picked, the abilities they have, the items that they you know build. But the beauty of League of Legends is that it has a, it's like an onion, right? It has a lot of layers mm-hmm. of knowledge. So the the, the top layer um, is when you understand you know gold advantage. This this team has more gold. This team has more kills. Then there's the next layer of the onion, which is this team kill more towers. This team has a dragon which gives them some buffs and make mm-hmm. them more powerful. And then the next layer, okay, this team has this type of uh, champion that is very aggressive, and this, the other team has this other champion that is very tanky and is very, very beefy and never dies, right? And so slowly, the more you watch, the more you get to, into those deeper layers and the more hooked you get towards the game. But the beauty of League of Legends is that every layer is entertaining. Yes. So the first time you watch it, you will probably just not understand too much the second time you watch it you will get the basics you you will know more or less who's who's winning at that moment and 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 that goes on and on and on right i've probably watched thousands of games um in my life and and every time i watch i see something new and i learn something new so that's why i think it has that appeal that wide appeal to casuals and to
0: hardcore players and the players themselves as well, and I'm talking about players who are uh, part of the team, Um, it's such an interesting kind of new area because I view them as the same as you might view like a professional boxer, for example. They have a certain skill set. You can put them in head-to-heads against other individuals or big teams as well. I mean, the prize money is absolutely huge nowadays. You're talking millions and millions of dollars for some of the biggest tournaments that there is. I guess... (laughs) people again who aren't quite into esports they might look at it and go whoa this is this is a huge industry like that must be a great thing to be able to tap into for you because there's all this money on offer kind of thing
1: yeah it's honestly more than the money which of course is it's very nice it's it's the fact that um i've been here for in the industry for now almost 16 years and And it all started in like 1997, so when I was seven years old. So, and ever since 1997, if you if you look at the overall numbers, the audience itself, it has grown organically every single year, regardless of what was going on around the world. Every single year, player-based one up, viewer-based one up, no matter what, right? So, what's very appealing is that is the opportunity to be a part of a lot of people's young lives. And then as they grow older and as they have their children and stuff like that, they're still your fans. They still know you. They still follow and support you. So um, it's it's that generational phenomenon that I'm starting to now realize. A lot of the people that were my fans when I was a player nowadays have children like like I do. <laughs> and it just goes to show it's just not something when you play games or watch people play games. Um, it's something it's sort of like it becomes your lifestyle. So it doesn't matter you're 30, 40 years old. If you grew up like that, chances are you will still do those things. And and that is very interesting from a business
0: perspective and, of course, from a human perspective. Because well, the players themselves... I don't want to go into contracts and everything, but the players themselves, they essentially we'll take a you know, percentage win of the money, but I guess the team gets some as well. There'll also be commercial opportunities. Like if you, people watch a lot of game streams, they'll be sponsored by, I don't know, Red Bull, for example, mm-hmm. sponsors a lot of gamers. The, the chair that you're sitting on now, you know, yep. stuff like that. There's all these kind of commercial opportunities. I guess we have, we have the, the
1: Pringles around here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. But but there is a lot of um, stuff about uh, like energy drinks, and uh, equipment and stuff like that as well. Is that quite a big part of the business, actually having yeah, absolutely. branded stuff around you?
1: Absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, prize money only um, accounts for, even in a, with a super successful team like ours, like we, you can argue uh, uh, that we are the number one esports team in terms of competition in the world right now, mm-hmm. um, competitive success, and our prize money revenue... Um, Is accounts for less than ten percent of the overall revenue. Oh, really? Way less. Yeah, way less. It's probably like six percent of the overall revenue. Really. So that goes to show how much business there is behind, um, you know, this venture. And it's just there's below the line sponsorship deals. There's media rights. uh, There is, uh, you know, the broadcasting rights. There is, you know, live stream deal rights and things of that nature. Um, There is, uh, you know, all the content output. You know, you, you think about how many content platforms are right now battling and paying for content. And we are amongst the most sought after content generation machine you can (laughs) think of right now. On top of that, you have um, the, you know, um, merchandising sales, both physical and digital. We also sell our logo merch, so to say, and our sort of in-game skins in the game and we get a portion of that so it's like there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of revenue verticals that just make the business uh, from a business perspective just let alone just being a part of the future let alone all of those things from a business purely business perspective Mm. uh, you know um, a a sustainable Mm. profitable uh, powerful business that carries on growing.
0: And the players, because I was just, I watch a lot of Formula One as well, and they almost like sign their players for a contracted period of time. And then there's yeah. like, you know, like in football as well, there's a transfer window and t- people can yeah. go from different teams. And obviously, over the last 16, 17 years, whatever, you can't just always keep the same players. Players have a huge draw from their fans and you want that hooked into the team as well. Is that quite a straightforward process or is it quite complicated with contracts and stuff?
1: So, um, there are. Th- I think most of the talent-related challenges that football goes through, or a lot of them, esports does not go through. Really? Um, yeah, and I'll explain you why. Of course, there's still, you know, the transfer windows. There's still, you know, you name it. But Slatan um, Ibrahimovic has been playing at the highest level for longer than I can remember. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has been playing at the highest level for, like, what, 14 years? Yeah, exactly. 15 years. An esports competitor will play at the highest level for three, four, five tops if he is a top player. There's a lot of variance as well. On top of that, games might come and go. Yeah. If the game happens to be relevant and if the guy happens to remain relevant in those years, it's still only three, four, five years of top, top, top gameplay, right? Which, yeah, it, it it leads him to have a huge fan base following, but at the end of the day, it's nowhere comparable, mm. com- comparable with, with any of the traditional sport stars. So there's a lot of variance in which players are part of teams, which makes the teams a higher common denominator than in traditional sports. Yes, I realized very quickly that I was a fan of Cristiano Ronaldo and not a fan of Real Madrid, necessarily, <laughs> you know? that would be very hard to see in esports because there's teams players coming and going within the team much more often um there's you know a franchise player might be a franchise player just because he was with you for 3 years and that's already considered a franchise player which in football is like a standard contract duration for a mercenary you know <laughs>
0: yeah of course of course so yeah
1: it it's it's just a lot of a lot of good things going for the teams and sort of helping us driving that uh, organic fan base and support over the years,
0: and I guess once people become popular, even if they drop off being at the elite level because they are popular at creating the content, you might still get people wanting to hook into that. so I guess you've still got that side of things, like you say people might come for videos for from a particular gamer who might st- still be with you, I guess
1: yeah, exactly after after the careers are over, um, you know how in traditional sports they typically become coaches or they typically become uh, part of the management. But here, they can become a content creator, and most of them do, you know? And most of them want to be a part of their team they grew up with, maybe. And and so that sort of creates that long tail in that relationship, which all of a sudden, uh, you turned a hardcore fan from the team into um, a fan from the team that also enjoys beyond the game to be entertained, right? And then he starts to see instead of, only competitive, relevant, relevant content. He starts seeing entertaining content, content that's supposed to not necessarily be about competition, but be about comedy or something like that. And then you turn your fan base or, or you, you, you let them expect different things from you. So yeah, I, I think it's a great opportunity just in general for teams to develop that talent, potentially keep it, potentially not. But regardless, I think it all plays into the team's advantage.
0: I'm going to ask you about your plans for the future, but I just wanted to quickly, just one quick question to slip in, that we're in a time now where, yes, computers are always getting better and PC gaming is is becoming faster and faster and internet connections are finally starting to be good enough for me to get involved. But tell us about the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. We're in a period of time now where the next generation is upon us. Do you think that that's going to make a big difference to the scene because you'll have people who aren't traditionally computer gamers having some seriously powerful technology at their fingertips, they might be able to stream, you know, broadcast PlayStation content, Xbox content from their own homes. So do you think that's going to change the esports scene, the fact that the, the next generation's coming?
1: Yeah, hey, always always for the better. Uh, let me explain you why. So when the new PS5 comes out, um, the PS4 will be reduced, greatly reduced in price. All the um all the Micro microprocessors and graphic cards and whatever it is that the previous generation of consoles or of PCs um, were, that that were you know a year ago two years ago really really good will be uh, underpriced and all of a sudden more people will have access to better technology right for yeah. cheaper so every time technology makes a leap forward it's an opportunity for somebody that did not have the means to uh, have this technology or access to this technology, all of a sudden they have access to this technology because it's cheap enough for them and available. Um, And then you have games like League of Legends who people don't play because of the graphics, but because of other reasons. So then all of a sudden you have one more potential customer, one more potential customer as years go by. I think the best, the, 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 the most played, most relevant video game on the planet will never or not often be the most um, advanced when it comes down to the graphics, right? Uh, it will be the one that has the most potential to be played by everybody.
0: Yeah. So Across the platform
1: from oh. their phone, from all the consoles, from all the potential computers they have, you know, with a cheap computer, it'll work, a notebook. If, if you make a game that is available for everybody... And it's really fun to play, and it has depth, and it also caters to casuals. The game will kill it. Yeah. Um. That's why I think what Riot Games is doing. Uh, I don't know if you've been following, but they cre- they've created a League of Legends version for the phone. Yeah. Uh, and that is gonna kick ass. It's a pretty much simplified version of what already exists that can be played on most smartphones, and that that's gonna bang like. <laughs> i mean i don't know how to say it it's, it's, it's gonna be um incredibly large right yeah it's
0: called yeah. wild rift i think is wild right? rift yes that's it yeah yeah so it's um, gonna be like you say it's gonna hit that sweet spot of everything then yeah absolutely and the beauty of the position we
1: are at as a team is that look tomorrow um there might be a world where the big where the biggest esport happens to be ar or VR, or whatever console, or, you know, or a computer or on phone, who knows, right? Um, But we don't care. If the game is relevant, and it has competition, we might just have a team in it, and we will win on it, right? So we are very agnostic to where technology is headed. We
0: just embrace everything. Yeah, I suppose that's the best way to be, because you're always there, ready for it when it comes. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for talking to us. It's really great to have an insight into how well i mean as far as i'm concerned the biggest esports team runs so thank you so much for talking to us thank you so much thanks for listening subscribe get on the instagram on the instas on the insta
1: Eileen hier vom Achilles Running Podcast. Von uns gibt es jede Woche die kurzen und informativsten Gespräche mit ExpertInnen und Persönlichkeiten zu den Themen Laufen, Sport, Ernährung und Regeneration. Und wir freuen uns riesig darüber, dass Achilles Running von Nike
0: präsentiert wird. In der Lauf-App vom Nike Run Club gibt es jetzt die geführten Läufe. Während du läufst, wirst du von einem Nike Laufcoach über Audio angeleitet, wie bei einem Hörbuch. Und du bist die Hauptrolle. Lade jetzt die kostenlose Nike Run Club
1: App herunter und teste die geführten Läufe. Keep on running!